We really like working with clients who want to meet their purpose, grow their purpose in anything where marketing can add to people's quality of life or, as we say, marketing for good. Welcome to Marketing for Good. In this episode, we discuss the very substantial yet overlooked issue that is falls prevention in Australia. Our guest is Professor Kathy Sherrington leader of the 28-person physical activity, aging, and disability research stream within the Institute for Musculoskeletal Health, a partnership between the University of Sydney and the Sydney Local Health District, and she is Deputy Director of the Institute. Her research focuses on the promotion of physical activity and the prevention of falls in older people and people with chronic disabling conditions. We have worked with Kathy on a number of projects, communicating her research in clear and concise ways and allowing her to best connect her life-changing research to an audience that is in need. On behalf of the Juntos marketing team, we would like to warmly welcome you to this episode of Marketing for Good. Big welcome to Professor Kathy Sherrington. Thank you very much for joining our podcast today. We're um, really looking forward to hearing about some of your work. So as a brief introduction, Kathy's a professor at the University of Sydney and the Deputy Director of the Institute of Musculoskeletal Health. And uh, we've worked with Kathy for more than five years since before the Institute of Musculoskeletal Health was born. And today we're really excited to hear, introduce Kathy and hear more about her work. So um, tell us a little bit first, Kathy, about um, your work and how the uh, Institute came to be. Thank you. And yeah, thanks very much for having me. It's a, a delight to be here. Um, so I guess the uh, Institute for Musculoskeletal Health is a partnership between the University of Sydney um, and the Sydney Local Health District. Um, so it focuses on musculoskeletal health. Um, and the key part is that it's actually musculoskeletal health, not musculoskeletal conditions. Um, often people think about musculoskeletal conditions, um, and we do certainly have um, you know, a, a large um, program of work looking at back pain, um, neck pain, um, you know, other types of musculoskeletal conditions. Um, but our work is actually more about the health of the musculoskeletal system. So that's all about muscles bones um, and also the the brain that coordinates those things um, and so we focus really on physical activity um, and the role of physical activity in healthy aging um, and also in, um, in improving um, physical and mental and social function um, for people with disabilities so we so my area of work is called the physical activity, aging and disability theme within the Institute for Musculoskeletal Health. That's um, such um, amazing and interesting work, um, Kathy. How did you find yourself, um, what, what, you know, in a nutshell, how did you get where you are today? Um, so I actually started off um, my professional life as a physiotherapist. Um, and I actually have worked for 10 years as a physiotherapist in um, mainly in hospital um, rehabilitation um, and also aged care settings, um, but also across some other areas as well. 
Um, and so I loved being a physiotherapist, um, but it did frustrate me a little bit that I felt that we weren't really able to deliver the services that we were able to deliver um, and that sometimes there might have been broader factors influencing things. Um, and so because of that, I um, undertook a Master's of Public Health degree um, and actually in that degree, um, I met um, Professor Stephen Lord, who um, went on to be my PhD supervisor, um, because I worked out that the area of falls um, and fractures and prevention and the role of exercise in prevention and rehabilitation really sort of crossed between um, physiotherapy and also public health. Um, and so, yeah, I did a, a, a PhD um, looking at um, better interventions for people after hip fracture. Um, and then I was fortunate um, enough to receive um, a fellowship from the NHMRC, the National Health and Medical Research Council, um, a postdoctoral fellowship, um, and then sort of some further research fellowships um, and you know, a reasonable amount of grant funding as well. So I've developed um, quite a program of research which really looks at the role yeah, of exercise and other types of physical activity in really improving physical physical function um, and also preventing falls. That's actually really interesting. And there's two things that you've mentioned that I think we'd really like to follow up on. One is, um, I suppose, what might you might term your purpose, um, really your key focus around physical activity and falls and how important that is. Uh, and I know you've been the author of some amazing papers, very well respected all around the world uh, in terms of things that people can do to reduce their risk of fall at, at related to physical activity. Um, so maybe tell us, could you tell us a little bit about how that purpose fits with um, the Institute and pulls together, I know, a number of different parts of your work? Hmm, definitely. So really the, the purpose is about um, generating evidence, um, but also supporting the implementation of that evidence um, in health services. And so, um, you know, and that's actually quite similar to a number of my colleagues in, um, you know, more the musculoskeletal conditions side of the Institute. Um, and so these days, most of our research is really developing new interventions, um, evaluating those in sort of real world settings, um, but you're using rigorous research methods um, and then really trying to communicate the results of those. Um, so I guess that's our sort of trial um, you know, area of work. Um, I guess the other thing we, um, we all do is systematic reviews, which is about summarising evidence that have been undertaken, um, you know, in other settings as well, and then kind of communicating the results of those. Mm. And I guess that's where the um, the marketing aspect comes in with being able to um, communicate uh, these things more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's one of the things we love about working with you, which we'll come back to, um, because, yeah, we, we really believe in that sort of the importance of getting the wonderful research out. <laughs> um, so falls are a, um, something that maybe people maybe you might be able to say don't quite have the profile that other conditions do and yet they have a very big impact on a lot of people um how does that 
you know, how does that, I suppose, tie with your work or your passion for your um, purpose? Hmm. I think I think you're right. There's really there's a mismatch between the size of the problem um, and the level of attention, and we're not quite sure why that is. Um, we think it could be because um, falls there. It's an event. It's not a particular health condition, um, and it's it's not. It's not something you're diagnosed with that then you then have like it's it's, it's an event that happens, um, and so yeah, we we think for that reason it um, affects a lot of people, but it doesn't affect one particular interest group. Um, yeah, so we we actually think it's quite interesting, but um, you know, also very concerning that there is a really a mismatch between the level of attention, the level of awareness um, and the amount of kind of coordinated action from health systems, um, really a mismatch between those things and the size of the problem of falls. Um, so, for example, most people are probably not aware that um, each day um, we've calculated 365 Australians actually end up in hospital um, for a fall, and that's actually just older Australians as well. Um, so, you know, we hear a lot more about other health problems and their impact, but, um, you know, that that's quite a, um, a shocking statistic, we think. Um, and that's significant, comes- isn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, and that comes at a cost to our health systems um, of two and a half billion dollars a year, which, um, you know, really, again, is, is is very costly. But, you know, we, we don't currently have a coordinated um, action plan either nationally um, or here in New South Wales to um, to be able to address that. Do you see other organisations with a similar purpose around the world? or other systems with a similar purpose any, any more operating any more successfully or with, with greater success? Hmm, interesting. Um, we, we, we've been working together with a few different organisations to try and um, get the message out more about falls, um, including the Australia and New Zealand Falls Prevention Society. Um, and so we have actually been doing a little bit of um, searching to sort of see what is happening in other countries. Um, and other countries actually do seem to be doing a better job, um, particularly in the UK um, and also in the US with um, actually having some coalitions of different organisations working together um, and advising government um, and also kind of more deliberate government investment on falls prevention in the community. Um, So our Mm. our health departments are quite focused on preventing falls in hospitals because that's, you know, another key problem. Um, But, yeah, there's not really anyone taking that broad responsibility for preventing falls in the community. Um, And and already falls are actually a lot more common than um, many other injuries, so such as road traffic injuries. I mean, obviously, the attention that we have on road traffic injuries is really important. We're not saying stop that, um, but we are saying that it's you know, perhaps a bit surprising that already um, falls are affecting quite a few more people and costing us a lot more money. But, you know, we really don't hear much about it. Mm, mm. Lots of opportunity on the other side to make improvements, I suppose. Um, and if you think about your um, you know, your really strong purpose and, and focus. How has that helped you sort of on an inter- from an internal sort of 
um, yeah, from an internal point of view? Hmm. Yeah, good question. I think I think from an internal point of view, um, it gives us a really strong um, sense of being on the same page and, um, you know, having motivated, um, hardworking, clever people um, working together who you know, have similar objectives So and who um, kind of, yeah, really share that same purpose, as you say. Mm, that's really interesting. And do you think it impacts your culture as an organisation? Um, yes, yeah, I do, yeah. So that, you know, we really do have a clear, you know, some, some clear goals and that, um, you yeah, know, I think because of that we, we do also have a, a really strong culture. Mm. And what about from an external point of view? Um, yes, I think that does also help us um, kind of articulate um, and kind of try and share what we're about. So, yeah, I also think that it's, mm. it is really important from an external point of view. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of our work is actually competitively funded. Um, and so, um, you know, to us, um, how we articulate what we're about um, and also what people can find out about us when they um, hop on the internet um, is actually, you know, really quite important. Mm. That's a really interesting segue because the other side what we're really interested in is how um, organisations successfully bring together purpose and being commercial. Um, and I suppose as an institute or a not, I don't know if you're a not-for-profit, but as an institute, um, your purpose is strong, but sometimes it's hard to also be commercial. Um, some organisations we speak to are very strong commercially and it's how you know, it's really exploring how have you then integrated the purpose. It's almost like from the other point of view, um, talking about the Institute. So how have you, uh, but, but on the other hand, you need to be um, sustainable um, and um, have secure funding um, in, and be commercially viable so that you can keep going and do that amazing work. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about that side of um, the coin? Hmm. And that, you know, to be honest, is a key challenge for us, um, as well as for, you know, many other um, people undertaking research in Australia, like there is a lot of uncertainty. Um, and, you know, we, we, a lot of our staff are project funded. Um, we're, we're very fortunate, though, to have the support of both the university um, and also the Sydney Local Health District. Um, and so, you know, we, we do have that support underpinning our kind of basic structures and, um, you know, our office space and, um, and things like that, which we're incredibly grateful for, um, which you know, we couldn't do it without them. Um, but then building on that and sort of certain core staff as well are, are provided that way. Um, but beyond that, it, it really is relying on, on project funding. Um, and, you know, like a lot of researchers, um, applying for further funds does actually take up a large, um, a large part of our time. Um, a lot of the schemes that we're applying to, um, it's very competitive. There might be a sort of 10% success rate is pretty standard. Um, some of the, the schemes where it's more targeted to what we're about, um, there might actually be a 30% um, success rate. But, um, yeah, it's still, you know, quite difficult. There's still tough, tough um, success rates. Um, and I know how much work goes into those applications. 
How do you balance, um, you know, a lot of your partners you might sometimes be working very closely with and then at other times actually be up against them for funding. How do you balance that um, that conflict, I suppose? Hmm. Yeah, good question. I mean, I think it's partly in who you choose to work with that, um, you know, the, the people that we do collaborate with kind of all have a, um, you know, a fair approach to that. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do work together on applications. Um, you know, sometimes an application will be led by one organisation um, and others will assist. Sometimes it will be led by the other organisation and, and others will assist. And then we do also understand that, um, you know, because there's limited schemes and limited opportunities that people do want to be pursuing their own projects. So sometimes we will actually be direct competing against each other but um, I guess that's about um, maybe it is about a shared purpose and a sort of shared understanding that um, you know even if our our colleagues elsewhere um, get a project funded and we don't it's still actually helping the same um, broader purpose um, and that you know we we are genuinely pleased for that um, and, you know, they have the same attitude to us as well. So, you know, maybe it, it is who we're choosing to work with because certainly not everyone in this industry would um, would have those sorts of approaches. Yeah, I can imagine that. The things that come to mind again, though, is that sort of idea of a shared purpose and also understanding values and making sure that you know, as soon as you, your values are aligned, mm. I mean, yeah, you can work much It's easier to work together. Yeah, I think mm. that's right. And then I guess, you know, some of the things that we're working together on, like, um, you know, I, I know you're interested in our, our, our Centre of Research Excellence in the Prevention of Falls Injuries that um, is funded by the National Health and Medical Research Council. And so that actually brings together researchers from different institutions. And so, you know, even if, you know, our at the um, the IMH, an application that we've put forward hasn't been successful, but one from our colleagues elsewhere has been, um, that's still under the banner of the CRE, so that um, the Centre of Research Excellence, so that still does actually help us indirectly. That's a nice, uh, it's a good way to have things arranged, I suppose, so that you can benefit in different ways depending on what the project or the situation is. Um, you mentioned earlier that you're involved in the Australian New Zealand um, Fall Prevention Network and obviously you work at University of Sydney with um, the Institute and the CRA and I know you've got a lot of other connections through um, across the industry and across um, different organisations. Um, how, how do you see those organisations best working together to, um, for the bigger picture? I mean, maybe that comes back to what you said before about sort of shared purpose um, that, you know, it, it really is genuinely quite um, quite collaborative as well um, in that there's people from, you know, who are based in different, um, I guess, academic organisations and even different parts of Australia and also New Zealand who are contributing to that um, Australia and New Zealand Falls Prevention Society. Um, and so some initiatives, if we think that they're better done kind of across institution and across jurisdiction, then, um, you yeah, we may well choose to do that under the banner of the, the Fall Prevention Society. Um, so, for example, we we run a conference um, every two years, um, yeah, which is moves around different parts of Australia um, and also New Zealand. 
it's a great way, I'm sure, of getting exposure and, um, yeah, introducing earlier career um, researchers and professionals um, to the wonderful work and mm. um, goals. Uh, so we have worked together um, and we've been um, always very pleased to work with you and the team. Um, we've done um, the things that come to mind um, were uh, included um, resources for specific research trials like the CHANGE trial, the COMEBACK trial, Active Women Over 50. Um, we've helped you with various websites, the um, Institute of Musculoskeletal site and also the Centre for Research Excellence in Fall Injury Prevention. Um, and most recently we worked together on a promotional infographic to try to raise the profile um, of falls and the importance, tying back to what you were talking about before, the importance of considering the impact of falls and how what can be actions that can be taken to reduce falls. Um, so I suppose um, I just wanted to ask you from your point of view, um, what, what's been the benefit of coming, uh, I suppose, to us and, and how have you used those investments really? Hmm. Um, well, I guess we've uh, kind of realised that, you know, we do have certain skills, but um, we also have a lot of um, other skills that we don't have and, um, you know, making interesting looking leaflets and websites and, you know, sometimes communicating things that are, are going to be clear and compelling to the target audience um, is, you know, not necessarily our core business, but it is your core business. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're very pleased to, you know, have worked together on, on those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, I guess we find, um, particularly with study resources, that, um, you know, it just looks a lot more professional. Um, you know, it's, it's a much higher um, quality product than something that we might pull together with our, um, our suboptimal skills, both in terms of the actual production, but probably also in terms of the choice of words and the choice of images. That's good. Oh, I couldn't agree more, though. We've all got our sort of special, um, you know, areas of capability and yeah, it's great to hear how you use them. Um, and I was also going to ask you about diversity and inclusion. Um, and I don't know if you've um, also got any thoughts around sustainability, but how that fits in um, with your work. Hmm. Um, well, interestingly, um, we, we do wonder whether it could be, um, you know, issues of discrimination which might actually impact how um, falls are not taken all that seriously because, um, you know, obviously they are mainly affecting older women um, and so there could be a role of ageism um, and also sexism in the kind of lack of attention. So, yeah, that's definitely something to consider. Um, we've also really um, it's become very clear that um, with that, for example, with participation in physical activity, um, there's actually a marked um, socioeconomic differential, unfortunately. So, um, you know, way more, way more people from more advantaged backgrounds are actually more physically active. Um, and there's probably a range of reasons for that. Um, so, you know, potentially 
the role of education, but, you know, also perhaps um, you know, having more control over one's time, um, you know, other commitments, work hours. Um, there's probably a whole lot of things that contribute to that. Um, and unfortunately, those things actually do um, carry on into later life as well. Um, and so that's where, you know, we can sort of see the mismatch um, between you know some of our stereotypes of the kind of active retirees who probably are the highly educated affluent people you know paying for personal trainers um, walking in in nice environments um, you know having easy access to equipment um, you know being able to see physiotherapists if they've got a sore knee that they um, you know need to be addressed having high quality shoes for example so so, you know, there's a whole lot of factors where, um, you know, people's social position will actually impact on their ability to, to do the types of exercise which we know prevent falls. And I guess that's part of what's um, motivating us to really call for greater investment um, are really those sort of equity issues. Um, so I guess that's one thing in terms of probably socioeconomic um, diversity and inclusion. Um, also in terms of cultural um, and also gender issues um, that, you know, we, we need to be finding the types of programs that are, um, are relevant to people and that they're going to identify with and that they're um, you know, likely to be to participate in. Um, and I guess that obviously comes to the marketing and promotion of those opportunities as well that, you know, if um, yeah, people need to see people like themselves represented in um, you know, promotion materials for, for different opportunities. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, those issues are really crucial. Mm, not always easy to um, implement, but um, very, very important mm. focusing on. Thank you for that, Kathy. Is there anything else that you um, wanted to mention? No, I just, uh, uh, another plug for multidisciplinary action, I think. I mean, as you say, this is, um, you know, we all have different skills to to be addressing these types of problems um, and that, you know, really we can go further if we, if we work together. Um, so, you know, people like you can really help in communicating and getting the message out and reaching large numbers of people. Um, but then I guess obviously working with us to ensure that it's, um, you know, the evidence-based messages and, you um, you know, the, the best approaches that are, are being promoted, you know, really is the, the best way to make change together. Thank you. On that wonderful note, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Professor Cathy Sherrington. That was so interesting. And, yeah, we wish you the very, very best with your work going forward. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Juntos is Spanish for collaboration and togetherness. In this episode, we have learned how powerful purpose-driven research can be for communities and how marketing and communications can be vehicles for change. If you'd like to learn more about Kathy and her impactful work, please follow the links provided. If you're interested in finding better ways to communicate with your audience, whether it be the latest purpose-driven research or simply refining your brand, reach out. We would be more than happy to help. Connect with us today to see how we can help you live true to your purpose and values and market better, or as we like to say, for good.
We really like working with clients who want to meet their purpose, grow their purpose in anything where marketing can add to people's quality of life or, as we say, marketing for good.